Boozed and Confused is a comedy and weird topic podcast. Adult language may be used probably by me. While our episode topics may be educational in nature, we are not responsible if your children start dropping the F-bomb to their kindergarten class. Listener discretion is advised. Hi. I'm Carol Ann. I'm almost got me this time. I'm Matt. Welcome to another episode of Boozed and Confused. Where we talk about booze and get a little confused. But today, one time offer. We all know it's that time of year. Halloween's coming up. Best time of the year. Also, best time for hunting. That's right. Vampire hunting. If you send five payments of $200, we at Booze Confused will send you your very own professional vampire hunting kit. No, we're not doing Happy hunting. We're not doing that. <laughs> we are absolutely not doing that. We're not scamming you, and we don't want to take your money. At least not for that. We can. We totally can. Have you seen those Trumpy Bear commercials? Thanks, Trumpy Bear. Now my golf game's actually good. Okay, so we are absolutely not sending you a Trumpy Bear. We're not sending you a vampire hunting kit. The most we can do are some boost and confused stickers, which brings me to some housekeeping items before we actually get into today's topic. First on the list is that we are on all of your favorite social media platforms. So we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can follow us there, send us messages, send us your creepy stories. We would love to hear them. If social media isn't really your jam, you can send us an email at boostandconfusedpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget, um, if you enjoy the pod and you like tuning in every week, the best way that you could support us is by giving us a review on your platform of choice. And if you do take the time to leave us a review, which we would be so grateful for, you could take a screenshot and send it to us, and we will send you some Boost and Confuse stickers for free. Reviews really are the best way that you could support us, and I know we say it every week, but it's because, especially on Apple Podcasts, um, leaving reviews helps the algorithm so that we get pushed up a little bit higher and other people can find us and tune in every week to listen as well. So we are so very grateful for all of the reviews that we've gotten so far. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. With that being the end of our housekeeping items, we should probably get into it. Yes, like keeping your house safe from vampires <laughs> with your very own vampire hunting kit. We're not. We're not. Complete with no. coffin stakes, a crucifix that has the bottom part kind of into a shank. Um, also, <laughs> holy books, uh, silver bullets. Wait, no, that's that's werewolves. Look, I'm trying to market this to our people here. I I think there's a huge market here for vampire hunting. Um, I know that since the Twilight craze, vampires haven't been as cool, but I I really feel a huge comeback here, like like Blade comeback. Okay. What's our topic? Well, our topic is definitely not um, having as seen on TV style ads for um, 
hunting kit scams. What we are going to talk about is the New England Vampire Panic. You see, I didn't really read the notes for today. I just saw a vampire and I just thought this is where we make our big money maker. And I've just been finding sticks in the woods and gluing them together with like one of those hot glue guns. Putting them in old briefcases. I found one of those once. Mm-hmm. I only have one though, so first come first serve i guess (laughs) after that it's all in like a plastic bag we have Uh a lot from mariano's yeah really hot commodity so funny story before we get into this originally the idea we had in mind was vampire hunting and i think um we got that idea from the documentary of abraham lincoln (laughs) vampire hunter yeah, that happened before he was assassinated, though, yeah. I think. That was yeah. kind of like mid-Civil War. Mm-hmm. The vampires really thought they could strike when we were fighting ourselves. Mm-hmm. Great documentary. But um, as I started to dig into it a little bit more, I found out that vampire hunting kits, 99% of the time, are actually scams. And I don't mean like someone put one together for modern use i mean the ones that people say are from like the 18th 19th centuries so ours is definitely not a scam but we're the one (laughs) percent but not like in our wealth category Mm -hmm. we are we are the one percent that's not fake in our honesty yeah we are honestly not honest (laughs) god there it goes there i go So, yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting. And it turns out there is still a market for those uh, vampire hunting kits, even the ones that claim to be from, you know, like the 18th, 19th century, because apparently museums will use them as like replicas, which is kind of neat. So I think it'd be cool to have in the house to make people think that we were actual vampire hunters, but we're not. I am a daywalker, though. There's this weird correlation between redheads and vampires. South Park really blew it up. Um, that was probably more than 10 years ago, too. But I just kind of vibe with it, and I'm definitely a daywalker. Please don't hunt me. <laughs> with our vampire hunting kits that you can buy for five payments of $200. Actually, it's 250 now. Um why did the price just increase it's a very volatile market it's kind of like um Mm -hmm. cryptocurrency Uh uh-huh okay great yep one last housekeeping item i lied before we get into the topic what are we drinking today this is a dogfish head 90 minute imperial ipa so it's it's pretty hoppy but it's also like i think kind of malty i don't i don't really have the vocabulary of a of a beer aficionado, uh, but it is 9% and I can read that and it does hit moderately hard and I'm about a quarter of the way through this. So it's going to be a great episode then. Yeah, honestly, all this vampire hunting stuff just came off the top of the head, uh, but we do have a, a, you know, like a very large um, inventory, but they Wait, are going fast. They're going fast. What do you mean we have a large inventory of the plastic bag ones? plastic bag once and then one briefcase one okay yeah just so i i i don't get it mixed up okay it is also full of stickers <laughs> it's actually four thousand boost and confused stickers so we can move inventory 
you put them on the vampire and then when you are in like one of those mirror mazes you can actually see them because the stickers of course of course all right so getting into today's topic how did new england find itself in the middle of this vampire panic so a couple hundred years after the salem witch trials which i think is very familiar to everybody um, in salem massachusetts there was another fear that came over new england and it was the fear of vampires because what else do they have going on yeah exactly witches are old news now we're into like twilight well kind of no i mean i don't think vampires back then were like edward cullen who taught you how to read you (laughs) must be a witch I, i am definitely a witch bring me back to the witch trials yeah we gotta put you on to start this story off We're going back to the 19th century, roughly, and we're going back to the old days of tuberculosis. Bring me back to the good old days. Yes. So tuberculosis uh, was rampant in the 19th century in Rhode Island, Connecticut, Vermont, um, other parts of the Northeast. And between 1786, when health officials first began recording mortality rates, and 1800, the disease claimed 2% of New England's population. So if the numbers weren't like scary enough, like 2% of everybody, like if that was in our house, what's 2% of two people and two cats? It's probably me. I'm probably going to get this <laughs> and I'm probably going to get knocked out. Uh, it was a horrible way to die. Um, people who had the consumption uh, would lose weight, uh, you you would cough up blood, your skin would turn uh, kind of grayish, and it would be a slow, painful death. Uh, it was kind of like as if, ooh, something was sucking the life out of them. Ooh. You know what sucks? Uh, 2020. <laughs> Vamp- oh, yes, yes, uh, 2020. And vampires. Oh. People who lived in New England didn't deny the reality of tuberculosis, but this is at a time before the germ theory is really widely known, and physicians at this time can't really explain how infectious diseases were spread. And so some of these villagers who are seeing their communities being ravaged by tuberculosis believe that some of those who died from consumption preyed upon their living family members and some described new england vampires as a microbe or a bacterium with fangs you know it's insane to think that doctors didn't even think to like wash their hands before doing operations and so rather than just thinking oh disease spreads no, it's like, no, nah, this is supernatural stuff going on here right now. <laughs> Get the briefcase. <laughs> like, instead of evaluating, like, maybe I'm a nasty, you know, mother effer, then no, it can't be me. Have can't we, be me. Have we become a PG podcast now? The uh, swearing has gone so down on your end. You know what? That That maybe happened after my dad listened to two episodes and texted me and said, you have a filthy mouth. 
but my dad is also the person that I got the filthy mouth from. So at least one of the people I would say. You are a sailor. You are a salty sailor. Don't like, don't give away my <laughs> my actual persona. Short but salty. <laughs> well, I just yeah. Yeah. Short because you're salty. Salty because you're short. Oh. I'm, Keep it. I'm none of these things. Keep it. Don't cut this out. So naturally, because they think that this is something supernatural, otherworldly, they think, how do we prevent this vampire attack from continuing? How do we stop this from spreading? Burn everything to the ground. (laughs) That's one option. Um, But if you want to keep your home, the other option is that people began to dig up bodies and they would perform rituals like burning internal organs. Yeah, or shoving a stake through grandma's ribcage. Poor grandma. (laughs) She (laughs) suffered enough. So the town spoke are exhuming bodies at a probably alarming rate. And one exhumation takes place in March of 1892 at the Chestnut Hill Cemetery in Exeter, Rhode Island. And people who lived in the area brought shovels and picks and together as a community, as a team bonding exercise, they exhumed the corpses of Mary Brown and her daughters 20-year-old Mary Olive and 19-year-old Mercy Lena. You know, I had something to say about this. Um, It's just a riot. Can you imagine if, like, Facebook neighborhood groups existed back then? Like, what they would be saying about stuff like this? Where are you going, Jebediah? (laughs) Oh, I'm just going to go stab these corpses with uh, my neighbors and my family. Uh... Bring your kids. Yeah, I just imagine the comments would be, um, you know, like people arguing in favor of doing this to save humanity. And how can you not see the reality of what we're facing? And then the other half of people being like, you're crazy. (laughs) This is nuts. And the other half is like, were those fireworks or those gunshots? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So... The three women had all become pretty sick, wasted away. They succumbed to this mysterious affliction, and doctors had an idea of what the cause was, but concerned citizens of Rhode Island (laughs) (laughs) had another theory. George Brown was one who believed that something more might be happening on his farm, and after Mercy Lena passed away, his son, Edwin, also became sick no and he was desperate to save the last of his kids so he gave the townspeople permission to dig up the bodies of his wife and his daughters are we following this so far i don't know where this is going but i'm excited all right so the crowd digs up these three bodies and they discover that the corpses of mary and mary olive had completely rotted away But Mercy's body, on the other hand, was very well preserved, um, even though it was laying in a crypt for months. This was a common thing that led people to believe that someone was a vampire. When they would exhume these bodies, it would look as though the hair and nails had grown, which probably shouldn't happen after you've passed away. 
and that when they would pierce the skin, it still would have drops of blood. All of these items put together led people to believe that they were vampires. Well, no, clearly, if if you're a vampire, you have no need to trim your nails or comb <laughs> your hair because you can't see your reflection in the mirror anymore. I don't, I don't actually look at the mirror to trim my nails, but yeah, you have much more important things to do, vampire things to do. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what vampires do in their spare time, but I'm sure there's a lot. So unfortunately for Mercy's uh, corpse, all of these items were true. To the townspeople who had exhumed the bodies, that was pretty much all of the proof that they needed that Mercy was a vampire. Couldn't they just wake her up and ask her? <laughs> you would think, but I don't know if they thought that far ahead. Like, if you're a vampire in, in your coffin, aren't you just, like, sleeping? I mean, I don't... I don't know. I'd have to ask of a village vampire, maybe. Get there. I'm a pretty sound sleeper, but you can wake me up pretty easily. No. Well, I mean, I become conscious for a moment, and then I go back to sleep. But, yeah. But I can be made conscious for a moment. Momentarily. As this autopsy is happening, if you want to call it that, a voice of reason comes through, and it's a village doctor. We don't believe in those. <laughs> and so this village doctor is watching this sort of makeshift autopsy happening. I can only imagine like being a person of science and watching this unfold and being like, oh, Jesus, what is happening here? I wouldn't want to imagine being a doctor right now either. Well, yeah, no, 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 definitely not. So this doctor is watching all of this happen and he jumps in to say, no, no, here's what I actually think was the cause of death and talks about how cold the New England weather would be to have kept her body preserved, which is why she would have looked so close to when she did, I guess, when she passed. And nobody would listen, naturally. Nobody listens to the scientists. I feel like we began with conspiracies, like talking about witches and vampires and such. And then science is kind of like, no, here we go. And then they kind of held us on our bike for a few centuries and they let go this year. And now we're kind of back to conspiracies again. <laughs> yep. We're, yeah, we're, yeah. We're back yeah. to that. Yeah. Somebody get the training wheels. Put it back on this bitch. I don't think we're ready to go alone. <laughs> oh, and there we go. PG-13 once again. All right, so even though this, this doctor is giving very logical explanations as to why all of these items would be true for Mercy's body, these townspeople just don't care at all, not listening. Um, so instead of listening to science and the doctor, they instead removed Mercy's heart and they burned it on a rock that was close by. And it is believed that in ritualistic fashion, Edwin then consumed the ashes. That's pretty metal. That's super metal. Um, and unfortunately, because science doesn't work this way, that did absolutely nothing to slow the progression of his illness. And so he died anyways. Oh, dang. I was about to ask if, was it like put in like milk? It was kind of like chocolate milk. That is disturbing. I, I'm sure that it was probably just raw and not a mixture. Oof. 
Yeah, these brown exhumations in Rhode Island, uh, known then as the the vampire capital of America, was just one among tens t- tens of similar exhumations throughout New England at the time. Uh, it's a great town title, you know, kind of like Westchester, a great place to live and shop. Uh, Rhode Island, vampires be here. Yeah, it doesn't quite roll off the tongue the same, but uh, it does the job. It does the job. Do towns really even need to have like a motto? Please give us your money. <laughs> we need your tax dollars to survive. We have Mariano's. <laughs> There's also Cooper's Hawk here. You like Kane's chicken? <laughs> Is all you eat chicken tenders? Well, we've got a place for you. Don't call me out. And my, my love of Culver's like that. I'm talking about people who go to Cane's. Oh, okay. But now that we're going to air our dirty laundry. <laughs> now that we're talking about Culver's. How many cups do we have in our garbage can right now? I don't need to know. I don't need to put a number on it. I just go when it feels right. It's an even number because we both go when she wants to go. If you're sitting here wondering who was the first of the townspeople to think we should probably dig up all of those who just died uh, and probably stab them to see if they're still bleeding or not. Um, it turns out that the practice of exhuming the deceased um, to ward off the evil practice of vampires was probably introduced to New England by traveling healers from Eastern Europe and Germany. Oh, there we go. Eastern Europe. <laughs> so one clue to that is a 1784 letter to the editor published in a Willington, Connecticut newspaper in which a town official complained about a foreign quack doctor who was promoting the consumption ritual and had induced a townsman to exhume the bodies of two of his children. He was a duck? (laughs) No wonder they didn't trust the doctors back then. I only like those geese doctors. Michael Bell, who is a folklorist and author... Um, and he authored a book called Food for the Dead on the Trail of New England's Vampires, had documented over 80 vampire rituals in New England and continues to uncover new cases. Yeah, well, now I just think of them as, like, kids who shop at Hot Topic. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Hot Topic of today is not Hot Topic when we were kids. Yeah, Hot Topic became really mainstream. They totally sold out. I'm not gatekeeping Hot Topic by any means, because I can't think of a lamer thing to gatekeep, but uh, it's just changed. One of my proudest moments of my teenage years was um, when a little kid asked if I worked at Hot Topic, and I was kind of like, I have become the thing I've wanted to become (laughs) my entire life. Thank you for noticing me. (laughs) And now I would just punch that kid not the kid who said do you work here i would punch me in the past in the past so hard all right so bell estimates that this ritual or this practice began no later than 1784 and persisted through at least 1892 and the evidence also suggests that this practice was known and accepted sometimes endorsed by the community at large by town authorities and even by clergymen which is kind of disturbing. That's how you know it's legit, though. Yeah, if the clergymen say it, it's got to be true. The interesting part of this 
rituals that it seemed to vary based on the state that you were in. So for example, in Massachusetts and Maine, bodies were just flipped over and they kind of left them alone. However, (laughs) if you were an unfortunate poor deceased soul in Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Vermont, villagers burned the hearts and livers from bodies suspected of being vampires. But if you're like undead, do you actually need those? Like, oh yeah, the liver helps me um, clean my dead person body. Well, they're not dead, they're undead. But could you imagine like waking up and be like, wait, how did I get flipped upside over? <laughs> Hold on a second here. This is so uncomfortable. My neck is killing me. <laughs> God. Oh, my God. Uh, so in the 90s, so again, this is uh, getting to pretty recent times. Archaeologists discovered 29 skeletons in a gravel pit in Griswold, Connecticut, which had once served as a colonial era graveyard. And these bodies had shown signs of tuberculosis. They had been rearranged into skull and crossbone patterns, which is incredibly disturbing. And the case, known as the Jewett City Vampires, revealed one of the more unusual consumption rituals. Ooh. I'm going to read you a quote by Nicholas Bellantoni, who is a retired Connecticut state archaeologist. Quote, if enough time had passed and there was nothing but skeletal remains and no sign of soft tissue, the New Englanders had to make a decision as to whether the corpse was undead. If villagers believed they had uncovered the undead, they would rearrange the bones by decapitation and sometimes uproot the legs to prevent the vampire from leaving the grave. Yeah, you're going to wake up and eat us? Nope. Do it with no legs. <laughs> Not Give them no a fighting legs. chance. Give them a fighting chance. I love this. This vampire panic starts to wind down a little bit by the end of the 19th century, and it's all thanks to a German physician and microbiologist named Robert Koch. Robert Koch identified the bacteria that was responsible for tuberculosis, and finally, people start listening to science, and they lean a little bit more away from the vampire folklore, and they start leaning a little bit more into the science behind reasoning. The reasoning behind science? Yes, both. (laughs) Thankfully, we will never stray away from (laughs) science. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Even though it was 1882 that Koch proves tuberculosis was caused by bacterium, Um, The last authentically documented case of the exemptions occurred in 1892 in Exeter, Rhode Island. Um, So they started 1784, ended 1892, which coincides pretty well with the um, tuberculosis epidemic. Endemic? Epidemic? In New England? Science. I still don't believe that New England actually exists. (laughs) No, no, we're going to save that for North Dakota. Uh, and that's that's for a different conspiracy theory episode. Like, why are the New England Patriots called the New England Patriots when, what, they play in, like, Boston, don't they? Why aren't they the Boston Patriots? I guess New England sounds a little more fancy. Yeah, it sounds a little more old school, maybe. I don't know. It's just, ugh, New England. <laughs> While they were only a couple hundred years apart, 
there isn't a direct link between the Salem Witch Trials and the Vampire Panic within New England, but there are definitely connections, according to Belle, who we brought up earlier. Such as things that are spooky, <laughs> things that are kind of scary. Uh-huh. Yep. Things that we thought really existed, but now they're all just probably kind of like like kids who shop at Hot Topic. Yep. Yep, all true. Um, Bell says, magic certainly was in New England's cultural DNA, flowing from an ancient wellspring of folk ideas, mostly brought from Europe, especially Britain. There were supernatural ideas in which early New Englanders wholeheartedly participated. But in Salem, the witches were still alive, but subsequently executed when they became scapegoats. The vampires were already dead when they became scapegoats. So there you have it. This is all just about people being scapegoats. Goats? Goats. <laughs> I don't like goats. I actually love goats. I like those goats that um like freeze up at random times. Like when you scare them, they just like freeze and they just kind of fall over. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Like I know it's like a birth defect, but it's like a really cute birth defect for the goats. I mean, it's cute for us. It's probably not cute for them. But right, it's cute for us though. <laughs> All right. Well, that I think just about wraps it up. Yeah, it's uh ooh, yeah, it's about time to go on that hunt. Yeah. <laughs> With our authentic vampire hunting kit. That could be yours for five payments of $200, $250. Sorry, the price changed. Correct. Yes, but it's a bargain. Um, but everyone, I know that you will get this recording after we have finished publishing it. Uh, but meet me at the corner near the park with the swing sets. This is the sketchiest as seen on TV ad that I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> we hunt at midnight. So thank you very much for joining us again. We hope you enjoyed today's topic on the New England Vampire Panic, and we hope to see you next week. New episodes drop every Monday, and don't forget, we are on all of your favorite social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to drop us a note, say hi, send us a message. If you don't really like social media, that's okay. You can send us an email at boostandconfusedpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget, if you enjoyed this episode and you enjoy the rest of our podcast, please leave us a review on your platform of choice. It would mean the world to us and it really does help us a ton. And if you take a screenshot of your review and you send it to us, we will send you your very own Boozed and Confused stickers. Which conveniently fit very well on the handle of the blade, which will pierce the hearts of vampires if you purchase the briefcase. We, we, well, yes, yes, but we don't condone, we don't guarantee. Do you not condone hunting vampires? I mean. We're not going to Hot Topic. If, it, <laughs> if it's in this, uh, you know, like 1800 style, probably not. We're going to get an angry mob <laughs> with pitchforks <laughs> and steaks, but the kind that you eat. And we're just going to go have a good time. Perfect. We're going to New England, <laughs> wherever the hell that is. <laughs> and if you enjoyed today's topic and you want to learn more, we are going to include our links for our sources, just like we do every week, in the show notes. So you can read a little bit more about Vampire Panic in New England. Cool. Bye.
Thanks for joining. Bye.